0: On this edition of Larry the Golf Guy, we are incredibly fortunate to be joined by someone who is truly a legend in the game on the equipment side, and that would be Bob Vokey of Vokey Wedges that are offered by Titleist. Uh, Bob has been, um, of course, working on wedges for Titleist for decades, um, but uh, we talk about Bob's whole career. Um, which really uh, uh, started as uh, an equipment maker generally, Um, and indeed one of the interesting things to me is he did not focus on wedges until he joined Titleist, which he did not do until 96 at the age of 57. So um, we sit here today, and um, I think all of us think of Bob Vokey and wedges, um, but he had had a whole career up until um, he joined Titleist in '96, where he was—he'd worked at TaylorMade, he'd worked at Founders Clubs, he had—you know—done a lot of work with Persimmon drivers and woods back then, and um, you know, clubs generally. But um, really, until he joined Titleist in '96, um, he hadn't really focused on wedges. And as we talk about, you know, an interesting story is. Um, Titleist wanted to um, up their wedge game, and he had just joined them. He had worked on the 975D driver, which very famous club um, in the history of drivers um, at Titleist, and and um, they had a meeting, and they said, um, "Gee, we want to f- work on wedges, and and who wants to sort of take that on?" And Bob raised his hand, and you know, I think it's fair to say the rest is history, uh, because. Um, He has just been incredible in um, he and his team and the wedges that they've designed over the years and worked with all sorts of pros. um, And indeed, Bob very smartly um, notes that um, the tour was um, the ultimate R&D laboratory for what they do. So he was out on tour for many years, um, and players would come up to them and and ask him, gee, you know— we at the British Open this week or the Masters, you know, tight lies, can you tweak the wedge this way or that? And um, he um, learned so much about um, different grinds and um, bounces, combinations through all that work, and he would bring that back to the team. At, at Titleist and and they'd adopt a lot of that and and today of course there's so many different offerings in terms of the different combinations of bounces and grinds and we talk about all that um, and um the other thing I'll note that I'm sure you'll appreciate as you listen to this is just the um incredible enthusiasm he still has for the work that they do um and it's um uh, it's infectious to listen to um and and much fun Um, and, and, and I think it comes through in this conversation, how, how jazzed he still is for, for the work and the wedges and and the innovations that they continue to do. And, um, that are on the drawing board, uh, for future, um, lines of, of the title is Vokey wedges. So upcoming, um, Bob Vokey of Vokey wedges, um, here on Larry, the golf guy. Well, welcome to another edition of Larry the Golf Guy, and we are really fortunate today. We have um, a legend uh, with us, um, Bob Vokey, who, of course, um, makes the Vokey Wedges for Titleist and has had an incredible career um, on that side of golf, Um, and uh, Corey Gerard's also with us, who's the marketing director at Vokey Wedges. Uh, Bob, thank you so much for making the time today.
1: My pleasure, my pleasure, Larry.
0: Um, so let's maybe just uh, get things rolling and kind of go back to the beginning. Um, so you grew up, as I understood it, stand it, obviously in Canada, um, in uh, a little town right near Montreal. Um, and sounds like you were a really good athlete, played hockey, baseball, and football. I know your dad was a good golfer and a precision toolmaker and a constant tinkerer. So maybe just tell us how you first Beautiful. got started in golf
1: well i when i first i've always well it's funny ironically when i first my dad as i said i played other sports my dad always wanted me to play golf but i always said hey pop that's a game for women and old men and he said, i don't <laughs> play that game i'm talking when i'm 10 11 12 years old then i then i started playing it and i saw so, you yeah, i got sort of addicted to it then i when I came to the United States, I thought at one particular time I could play a game. So I, uh, I tried on the Western golf tour, it was called. You had to have, I worked like a son of a gun to get my handicap down below five. You had to keep below five. I worked so hard. So I went out, first event. And uh, I'll never forget, I'm, I'm hitting three woods and you know, bar fives and not reaching them. And these guys are hitting irons in and got a putt in their hand, walking to the green. Right. And I said, wait a sec. I, I'm out of my league. I said, I, and I always dabbled on in golf clubs. But I did it as a hobby, you know, it never was my dad, my dad, we tinkered and all the time. So then I said to myself, well, I think that's not tears of my, I know where my, my abilities lie. So I said, well, I, I knew I was, felt very, very comfortable working with my hands. And yeah. I always did. So I opened up first off, I guess my first venture would be a little, golf shop in fallbrook california well, i started actually in in my garage okay and then, then i opened it up in in fallbrook california and before that previous to that actually i just remembered i, I went to work a custom golf club company in anaheim california and uh it's called sid's custom golf okay I basically when i learned at that, that particular time it was all about persimmon woods that right. They were right wood. Yep. I learned how to basically variable bore them, sew plates, weight them, refinish them, put in fiber inserts. We had fiber inserts, glass inserts, epoxy, inserts. Yep. So you name all those things you learn about, which I considered it was very handy. It was a, a craft, you know? Right, particular for thing. sure. You had to do that with a golf club. And so from there I moved over to, I, oh, I, I left there, and I moved to Fallbrook, California, and I started in my garage in Fallbrook, and that would have been in 75, and then I moved over to uh, the country club, Fallbrook yeah. Country Club. Then from yeah. there, I, mo- I moved out, because we started to move a little bit, because I was really sort of leased on a little spot in the back of the pro shop. and got a little bit too busy for that, so... The word got around, very fortunate. At that particular time, it was called Bob's original name, Bob's Custom Golf. <laughs> so I moved, moved out. I moved to Vista, California, which was just about about 20 minutes away, 20, 25 minutes away. Right. And, it very, and I opened up a little shop very, very close to uh, just a little north of La Costa Country yep. Club, all in North San Diego County. And I ended up doing the work for all the local golf clubs in the area. And I, I, that's why I guess I really owned, I got the reputation of being probably one of the best wood refinishers, you know. Yeah. And I don't care. And I look back now and I think all the time, sitting in my little old shop, driving my two, 295000 mile Datsun B210, you know, I'm wondering where the heck am I going? I can only charge so much for the labor that I put in to refinish this beautiful McGregor, it could have been a McGregor Island if yeah. you name them. I yeah. And then you know you get a little discouraged after at that particular time and then all of a sudden be 79 fellow walked in with this box of metalwood into my little golf shop and he asked me and he introduced himself he said his name was Gary Adams
0: ah I right said, oh, founder of am, uh, TaylorMade, right yeah
1: <laughs> TaylorMade. he says these were the very first TaylorMades. he wanted to he wanted me to put them together and I said mr. Mr. Adam. I said, I'll put them together with these are driving range clubs. Cause anything I've ever seen like that at that particular <laughs> time was a driving range club. Right. And sure. I had those, remember those aluminum block. Yes, driving range?
0: absolutely.
1: So, and I said, these will never replace persimmon. And I showed them all the persimmon. Right. I was right. I had them all lined up in a rack on, on, on the, hang of the ceiling. And so anyway, that was my first prediction. I said, they'll never replace persimmon woods. <laughs> so anyway, I put them together for him. And then he, so he was able to go to La Costa over to Palm Springs and also Torrey Pines with the tournaments there and get them in play. Right. And so I didn't say, but then a few years later, he, he, he asked me to come and work for him. tailor So I went to work for him in 1985 and I stayed there right through 1990. Uh, but while I was in 85 at Moon, we had a very good staff. We had players like Lee Trevino, Mark yep. O'Meara, yep. uh, Morris Atowski, Dave Stockton Sr. A lot yeah. of very, very good short game players, you know? Yeah, And uh, and even Freddie Funk. Freddie Funk was there too. And then we moved over. Gary started another company called, uh, there was friction between, I call it the owners at that particular time where Solomon's Key Binding, and they really didn't know golf the way that Gary and yeah we knew it you know so sure there was a little friction so Gary left and he started another company called Founders Club in 1990 and uh, that was I, I would not leave Taylor made but he he was fortunate he offered me a little percentage of the thing so there was 49 percent that Gary, Harry Taylor, Frank Gallagher and myself we shared that I had a little minuscule part. And, uh, and the other was the Osics Tiger, Osics, you know, big yeah. tennis shoe people. They owned, they owned the, the made 51%. So and we were going, but then again, the way of offering Gary is something the Japanese did not like the way it was run. But anyway, things, it was awesome. I, I remember doing it, and I was doing metalwoods for him at that particular time for Gary, along with Terry McCabe. Terry McCabe was head of R&D, and I met Terry McCabe at Taylor, my tailor-made days. So I went over there and then Terry left the company. And all of a sudden I'm director of R&D for Founders Club. Okay. And we did everything. We had great product. And I know the very first year we went from non-existent to the second club on the PGA Tour. Wow. Founders Club. Wow. So that was that was a pretty good, pretty good jump. So I, was, I figured we had something. But, you know, to, to make it work, it, it didn't work. And I remember calling, talking to Terry McCabe in 1996. Well, I knew him in '95. He was over at Titleist at the time. He says to me, "Bob, how are things going?" I said, "We're not, you know, you know, Terry. Not going. It doesn't look very good." I sort of feel like the captain of the Titanic before <laughs> it hit the iceberg, sort of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, you have that funny feeling. And so I went over to Titleist, and that particular time, I, I Terry was working on a club called the 975D. So yeah the, the, the famous driver riding
0: right riding the, right
1: yeah, yeah famous because yeah, he, he, i he yeah i had i got his respect and my tailor-made and also my founder club day that i had a pretty good eye for where drivers should look like right and how to weight it and all different things like that but anyway it was a great experience and then then from there i remember sitting in a in a room and uh steve pelisak president of golf clubs he said uh Said Mr. Uline wants to get into wedges at that particular time. So I volunteered. I said, I said, I said, I call him coach, Mr. Uline. I got the utmost respect for that man. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And I raised my hand and he gave me the, I call it all the resources that did to, to make it happen. I was very fortunate. I know guarantee that never would have happened if it wasn't for titleist giving me proper resources and, and anything I wanted. You know, it was right. an open book I and away I went. So I took all my prototypes that I got from to my Trevino days and Lanny Watkins and from Seve and Dave Stockton Sr., Marco Mare, all players like that. I was a great listener and note taker. So I took all those sort of designs that I had and I started that with uh, Titleist. And, you know, I remember... I remember doing the first prototypes in nineteen, end of ninety six, into ninety seven. I did a there was series two hundred, which was a classic teardrop series. And yeah. we had a yeah. classic three hundred series, which was sort of modeled after a lot of the, we had offset on it. Was to go after the Japanese players, you know, not right. players, but right. who were playing Japanese clubs at the time. And right. Had that look. Yeah. And we also had my favorite was the series four hundred. Which was I? My personal favorite was after the old Golf Craft Continental, which was what I. I loved less yep. the square toe. Remember the Continental had the yep. square toe. Yeah, so This was less. Less I put it without the toe, and I. I liked the looks of it, and so those were the first three, and then I took them to St. Jude's. I never forget. Yeah, them. this and, is uh, mem. This Memphis. is
0: Memphis, right? So it's just. Uh, let me just sort
1: uh, of. Let me just
0: set the stage for one second. I, I want you. This is super, Bob. I want you to keep going, but just one. Yeah just to sort of observe for people who are listening to this. So the great Bob Vokey, who's done all of these different clubs, didn't focus on wedges only until you're at Titleist and you raise your hand. So, I mean, this is, I mean, let's just do the math, right? So this is 96 that you're coming over to Titleist. So you've had this long career, you know, dealing with persimmon woods and just to to just interject, I loved I had the Cleveland Classics back in those days. Oh, I loved I love, Persimmon yeah. Woods uh-huh. and stuff. So I'm, I'm with you. I would have never dreamed Metal Woods would have taken over. But, anyways, you know, you're a tailor made, you're a founders club. And it isn't until 96 that you begin to focus on wedges, which is just, I find that remarkable because you've, that's, you know, you're kind of a, you know, I've had a lot decades of work and yet it's only in 96 where, you know, you're, you know, in your fifties at that point that you're focusing on what, which is amazing. But so you go out to St. Jude's in Memphis and Andy bean, right. Is the first guy that grabbed. That's it. it.
1: Andy, Andy Bean came in, and you know, Andy, you know, he's to me, he looks like he's about seven foot tall. Yeah. He's a big, yeah, he's a big fella. Like, he was big. Yeah. Big guys. "Folk, what do you got? He looks in the bag. You know, that's I was very fortunate that I was out I was out there, of course, with with TaylorMade and Founders Club. So I had a reputation. I built right. a rapport up with pros like Andy was one of them. And he, what do you got? He said, "I'm, I'm working on, you're working on wedges. Wow, that's <laughs> that's different." Than what he got there? So he pulled out the three different models I had, and he pulled out the 456-14. that's the four hundred series, fifty six yep. degrees aloft, fourteen degrees about. He puts it down. He said, "God, I like it." He said, "Can I can I hit some? So he goes on the green, chips some shots. He loves it goes and hits him, goes beside, him, hits him out of rough. But he said, God, can I put this in play? And I said, no, nah, God, Andy, let me check. I know it's been approved by the USGA. So I had to call in. I talked to Terry at that particular time. Yeah, he was yeah. head of R&D. He said, yeah, it's okay. Let, let, him, let him put in play. So that was the very first wedge in play at that particular time. Wow. And and then who. As it, you know, and you know how it goes when you get it on tour and then another player sees it and another player yeah. sees it. Yeah. And then I have all our staffers too at that particular time. You know, at at you have to take your time. We had uh Steve Elkington, Brad Faxon, Davis Love, uh, well, I'm thinking I'm drawing a blank on we had such a great staff. So they I was making wedges for them, and then of course, along come the other young fella back I first Started to meet him in later ninety seven, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> the best, the best, best player ever. I don't, know yeah. about, I don't think there'll ever be anybody.
0: No, anybody I agree with you. I, I agree. And he
1: was a, you know, Larry. He was a treat to work with. He I bet, a, really so, talk, with so let's Larry. talk about this. It so this is
0: the young tiger. <laughs> who's with you. So, yep. so what was that like? I mean, he had already, I mean, you're in Southern California. He was already legendary in Southern California, you know, and obviously he had yeah. won and, you know, one of the most remarkable things, right? Three straight U S uh, junior amateurs, three straight U S amateurs, unbelievable. just unbelievable. And so he's now 97, he's just starting out on tour. So what was that like to work with him?
1: No, yeah. Another little story. Cause I knew Johnny Anselmo yeah, was, was Johnny Anselmo was yeah one yeah of, that was one of one, his
0: early teachers one of right his southern... first
1: coaches you know right up at Los Alamitos and I am right. from the Long Beach area moved into Long Beach and then I moved down from I used to play Los Al and and I I I knew Johnny and uh, I remember him he came in a titleist during that time and he said you know he said when I taught him he didn't swing the way he's swinging now. <laughs> You know, he was telling, he said, I don't know if that swing's going to hold up. Something sort of like that, you know, but I said, but he, but he said, he's that, that player's got so much talent. He'll figure it out. And that particular time he started to work with Butch, you know, and Butch told me over and over and over, he said, Bob, he said, I've never, ever worked with a player who works that hard, who who works that hard at his game. And, and that's where it is. That's the essence to it. Great greatness of them all. Best ball strikers were, you know, were, of course, were, 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 were Ben Hogan. Of course, one of my favorites, still one of my personal friends, Lee Trevino. They're two of the best ball strikers, and boy, they they worked hard. You know. Oh, they
0: worked hard. Absolutely.
1: Tiger, Tiger was a joy, and you know what, Larry, he saw the 200 series that I had, and I didn't tweak almost nothing for them. I didn't have to do any particular grinds or anything for them. The only little change he did make. He liked the 58 degree, bent to 56 for his 56. It just looked a little bit better for him. Okay. 5808, bent to 56, which of course loses two degrees of bounce. Right. And then we moved over on his 60. A 60.06 was my classic, you know, 60 at that particular time in the 200 series. Right. So a lot of players way toward the 200 series. And eventually we had to let go of the 300 series and the 400 series out of the line. But right. I found out the 300 and 400 where they had a little bit of offset in it. And offset and years ago when I first came up, that was, that was the going thing. I grew up with offset. Everybody could it offset. But all of a sudden, the younger player coming up did not like that much offset in their way. Right. So right. I had to take, a which, which I de- end up doing in the 200 series. Right, uh, right. And that's basically, that's been a traditional shape that we've stayed with ever since.
0: Right, and so you're using the tour kind of as your R and D laboratory, right? You're out there all the time and getting best, input from these folks, right?
1: The best it's it's the it's the best R and D lab in the world, BJ <laughs> Tour. You know, it, they give me it, I'll tweak it, take it back out, tweak it. But get me on, but that was in the old original days. Right now, we have you know, and I used to do it, but almost, almost. I mean, they, they have computers now that contain exactly the center of gravity. What I used to do, Larry, in those days, I'd balance it on my fingertip.
0: Oh, so boy. Way,
1: way back, and that's what right. I did. That's how I found the CG. Not quite that arcade, but almost that way. Yeah, yeah. When way I found the CG when I first started, I had a collection of wedges. I must have had about 100 wedges. So I, I, I took all the heads off, and I actually balanced the heads and found that where the common CG was for the best players that I knew at that particular time. So I said, hey, if it's good enough for them, I'm going to make it good enough for anything else I do, so I use that as my guide to try right. to get the CG where I found the common point for for the seventies, for the for the for, for the Torinos, for you know Lanny Watkins, as Peter Jacobson, all good players like that, Dave Stockton Senior. So I, that's what I used as my guides for all their from their wedges and the way I went.
0: And and so 22s. and you're working with them and and so I'm thinking you know and again for folks listening to this so for wedges we've got you know we've got loft we've got bounce and then you've got the different grinds on the sole and it's become famous that we've got these letters for different grinds like K grind the S grind T grind and and I take it these are all after particular players who gave you input I think K yeah. is probably Tom Kite, if I had a guess, and I know S is Stricker, so I mean, so you're getting input, and you say, "Hey, you know, this is what Steve yeah. wants," and but and you take that relief off the back, and that's um that becomes one of your grinds.
1: That's exactly it. That's how it started with Steve. It started over at Royal Saint George. Oh, really? So he's on that
0: firm turf over there in the open, and he wanted some relief from the. Turf, yeah. and he
1: had a 200 series. He had the 256-14, and he was
0: yeah come up to that. me.
1: Along was two players, did the other player happened to be Ben Curtis? And you know what Ben Curtis did yeah, in yeah. two thousand yeah, wow. and two? absolutely! Wow, I never knew problem. that. Yeah, they had the two hundred series, and they had it was a little bit what wider flange, and about fourteen degrees of bounce. So what happened when fescue? Very very tight lies. Yeah, they were, you know, they couldn't get penetrate the turf. So what right. was happening? The was bouncing into the ball, and the ball was coming out low and call it low and squirty. You know, they couldn't right, get it right. airborne. All I basically did was I didn't want to take the bounce off. So all I did, I just, I'll take it off effectively by reducing the sole width. I went in the van and I just ran a ribbon in the back that you can see in the S-grind. And that's basically how the S-grind came about. And a little, little footnote to that. Yes, please. Monday of that same week, I talked to, to Jim Achenbach. You know, Jim Achenbach used to be. Yeah,
0: I, I do know him. Yeah.
1: Golf week. Great, yeah. great guy. And he asked me, what do you, you do for Ernie? What do you do for Phil? What do you do for Davis? And I told my, you know a little pre-wear, but most of the stuff, what I do pre-wear. And the word of what a pre-wear is, Larry, it's, it's really a bevel in the leading edge. It allows that leading edge to penetrate through the turf. Yeah, for, yeah. A little bit easier. But so... I, I I I I remember saying, and Akabok said, and I said, you know, Jim, I also work with a young player from Kent State. Now I worked with him in college. His name is Ben Curtis, good young player. He didn't even want to hear that. So then it turns around, and the very next week on Golf Week, there's an article that comes out, Bob Volke predicted Ben Curtis would win <laughs> <the> <laughs> Open, and I didn't at all. So I learned, I learned, you got to watch what you say.
0: That 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 better. is true. That is true. But um, and I'm I'm assuming that's you know, how
1: basic they come about.
0: But, yeah, absolutely. And the, so the M
1: grind came from came came from working with uh, Trevino and and Ballesteros. The Toe I take off for Lanny. I used to take a toe off for Lanny Watkins. Trailing edge heel off for Seve and and Trevino. That became the, be the M m-m grind. Which is a great grind.
0: Yeah.
1: I called it my I called it the M grind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard
0: different explanations with the M stamps for, but I, go. but, uh, but, but I, it's, a, it's, it's, um, I, I, you know, the first time I was down at TPI, um, Dino, um, fitted me, um, and he said, right. I got a special wedge I want to show you. This is probably, I don't know, th- more than 10 years ago. And he said, I got a special wedge I want to show you. And, and, uh, he got one of the, the M grinds out, and that that's a fantastic grind. I love that club awesome club. Um, so that's great. So you're dealing with all these different pros over the years and, and it's been over the years, right? you mentioned folks who were active back then, like Lanny and Dave Stockton senior and stuff and continuing up to this day. And I mean, two of the guys are two of my favorites that I looked at. I think you probably work with a lot are Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, um, who are both titleist guys you, you and they seem so good with the wedges, right?
1: You, you have, you have mentioned two of the tops. I get asked yeah. all the time right now and I'm saying I don't want to I don't want people to think I'm a little prejudiced but I say JT and Jordan are right there. They're unbelievable. They're unbelievable short game players as well as being unbelievable people too. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Great, great absolutely. Work with. So so for and, folks like it, so you're what, out there and and they're tweaking they're giving you input too right as you're going out there and talking to them.
1: What's happening, Larry, over the years, though, I have I, I I have got a heck of an assistant, Aaron Dill. He's out there weekly all the time. Got so it. I don't have to go out there. I don't, I may go to the majors and things like that. So I'm I'm sort of, I call it, I call it the mentor, the uh, godfather now. So I make sure everything's okay. And I we all put <laughs> our heads together. So I have a good team now. From one person from back in '96, '97, eight, '99 to a gradual team. I've got a very, very, very good team now including Corey. He's one yeah. of them too. He's he's in the team too. And he's a, uh, he's he he's an individual that keeps me real straight. You know, I tell you. <laughs> oh even though he even though he's an Australian, it's okay. I'll forgive him. You,
0: you forgive know, him for that, I know, track. right? You know, forgive Corey for that. Exactly. So, so Bob, when you're out there all these years, right? I mean, I know today things are computerized and stuff, but you're out there and like, it like is. go back with Stricker, like the story you were saying from the Open when he says well, you literally take the club right and go into the van and start grinding it, right?
1: Yep. Yes, that's right. That's right away. I, you know, it's it, it's something that I guess you fund. You don't understand. I don't sometimes don't understand myself how I did. I did a lot of the things. I just did it. You know, on a certain thing, you want a certain fight in the ball. So I just went in the van I said, God, that's good. And working with the player, the player is good. He says, okay, now you got it. I take a li- I learned one time when you do working with a grinder, working with a player, just take a little bit off. You can't put it back on. Can't put it You're back on. A little at right? a time. Take a little bit. Okay, bulk, bulk, a little bit more. Boom. Then I get it because, you know, trust me, Larry, I've destroyed a few edges.
0: <laughs> I'm sure not too many. Um, I, so learned, I learned, I learned. I, I, I'm sure. Um, so one thing I'm sort of curious about as we're talking about this, I mean, there's such different conditions of turf, even if we just talk about the majors from the British Open to Augusta and stuff. I mean, do you find your players coming to you and say, Voke, you know, I'm I'm going to be at the Masters, you know, this turf's different and I need to tweak something. So do they alter the wedges for those conditions?
1: Yeah, definitely. There's certain where they do it more often. I used to find all the time when I was out there regular, I find a little bit, it's a little bit at the master because it's a really, really tight, tight, tight Bermuda or over at TPC. Right. But the biggest changes I always made was when we went across overseas yeah. to, to England or Scotland. Yeah. You know, they got that, got the fescue, you know, different types of turf. Then they make some changes definitely over there. But, you know, I used to go over to work the Scottish open first and then the British open. And I would make a lot of changes over there at the Scottish Open. You know, used to be do have it at Loch Lomond for years. I right. made changes, although Loch Lomond is more like an, a U.S. type. Yeah, World it's inland, conference. right,
0: right, I, right. I was
1: able to still make changes for them. And of course, they Monday at the Open, they hit some shots. They convoke. It's doing this, this, boom, and they come. Or I played with such and such. He said, "You you put a little 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 bevel on his leading edge. Can you do that for mine?" Okay. And I do that, you know, things like that, you know, and, and it, that's fantastic. And, and it, it happens. And, and I remember just another sideline. Yeah, please. Another company, yeah. real good player for another company. He was basically call it, maybe been one of our competitors, but he spoke, he said, nobody said, what would I do? What am I having a little trouble? So I said, look, so I took a, a Sharpie. I marked it on the leading edge and I said, now go in to that van over there, go into that X, Brand X van, right, right. Ask him to, to grind right along here like that. So we went in there, and I said one thing: it's going to happen though. It's going to be work good here, but when you get stateside, you might find it's going to dig on you a little bit. Right, right, and right. So right. I saw him about a month later over at I forgot what course it was, but he said, "Voke, you were right." He said it worked great over there at the <laughs> Open, but I brought it here and it just did not work. It just grabbed like you <laughs> couldn't believe and dug. Says I had to get a new one. I said. You say, you're right, though. You warned
0: me. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's awesome. That's
1: the, the things you do.
0: Yeah, for sure. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with wedges. So again, I'm, um, uh, you know, go back to the days, not just the persimmon woods, but when I played, you know, in college, you know, it was just, you had a sand wedge um, and, you know, it was whatever it was, you know, I know I'd, no, I'd don't remember having choices of bounce, let alone grinds. I mean, it was just a sand wedge. And the pitching wedge was sort of a stock pitching wedge. Um, And um, which, by the way, I should, before I forget, one of the things Dino told me, which was fantastic, is, you know, all these Titleist sets I've had, I always used to just take the stock pitching wedge. And, And he and Lucas both said, take the 46 pitching wedge from the Vokey wedge, which was the best advice I ever got on clubs. But anyway, if you go back to just sort of the old days, it was just you take a stock pitching wedge and and a sand wedge, and that was it. And I think it was probably Tom Kite was maybe the first one to sort of have multiple wedges and stuff. And um, but I mean, it's right. uh, Exactly right. So. But it's such been such a sea change the last 30, 40 years, right? Because now you got people carrying three wedges, four wedges, not uncommon, and so many alternatives, right? And the grind and the bounce yes. and everything. Big change, right?
1: Oh, oh it, it has changed like you couldn't believe it. When, I, As I said, when I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I think I, think I got you beat uh, a few years. You do. As I said <laughs> when I only had one wedge, it was one sand wedge. It had in that anywhere between 16... 17 degrees of bounce you know 16 yeah. to 17 it yeah. Was unbelievable yeah wide old flat sole right that's all I had big big offset big long hosels. You right know, that was that was a style right that's what they had back then and but eventually they evolved along come different different companies with coming out with different wedges I guess I always look at my benchmark was Wilson, they came out. You know, Wilson Dynapowers. They're probably the, R, the They used to have the
0: R ninety. I remember I played R, that as a yeah. kid. Right, R
1: ninety was the very first one. Then they graduated to that to the Dynapower. Remember the old Dynapower? Yeah, I black, do. Black yeah. and red lugs in it. You know, yeah, they were they were a good standard. They, you know, yeah had, had very very good de- de- designers. Bob Mandrella, he was oh, and Joe Phillips. They were unbelievable. So I got they were. I I got to know them real well. Over the years but anyway it was only 56 degrees and all of a sudden what happened is a pitching wedge in the set they didn't come in the set going back way back i go back in the 60s 70s yeah they were a pitching wedge that stood by itself the sets were only from one iron through nine iron okay but the pitching wedge was a totally different club so what the people then all of a sudden they started taking a put a pitching wedge in in the set calling it a p and actually all that was it was like a, a 10 iron,
0: right? Sometimes, right. you
1: know, they'll turn around and they'll, and they'll make an approach wedge. It's just de-lofting, de-lofting, you know? So what happens is pitching wedges all of a sudden are going to be cranked all the way down to sometimes 43, 44. Right. What happened to the sand wedge? It stayed at 56. Right. So there was a big, big gap for, yeah. big gap for the approach wedges right and that's one of the areas that I, I i i really worked on and everybody says why would i use a a, a volkey pitching wedge as versus the wedge that comes with the set right and i said well the wedge that comes with the set it's basic just basically a 10 iron it's not right a right pitching wedge right when i did this i i, I took the design par- parameters of a call it a true pitching wedge. It made the sole a little different, yeah. a little bit camber, made the leading edge a little bit different, made the bounce a little bit different. And we had a different scoreline pattern, similar to right. the right. rest of our sand wedge set. And so it, it was like a, it, it, it was a, a pitching wedge with six designed at, with a loft of a pitching wedge, but with, but it was designed with the creativity of a scoring club. Yeah, and that's exactly what what I had in mind when we did it. So that's the majority of the players. And you said you tried it yourself. Yeah. So oh, I yeah. I love it. It was the, the biggest chat. The I second. changed
0: that a couple of sets ago and it was a fantastic suggestion. And I would never do I would never go back to a stock pitching wedge from the set again.
1: And there's nothing wrong with a stock pitching wedge. They're good. It's it's a personal choice. I don't right. ever say I'd rather you use a bulky pitching wedge, of course. <laughs> But I want it I want as long as it improves your game, I' would yeah. have to see you somebody use it if it's not helping them. No it's fun. it's, it's
0: fantastic. Them. it's fantastic. So um besides just increasing the number of wedges, what other significant changes would you say if you think back over the last you know 20, 30 years you've seen in wedge design?
1: Well, I've seen of course, different amounts of offerings, you know, different yeah. lofts, bounce and grinds people realize that you need shot versatility and that's that's what we've tried to do over the years to help players play better golf that's our that's our that's our mantra play help the player play better golf not right. just the tour player but the average avid golfer that we like yeah do we do we want them to play better golf so we're going to provide them with the proper tools to put in their toolbox so they're going to have that tool to do the job and right. it's you know the job there's so many different shots of our there's a Oh, so many shots out there that you have to hit greenside. So yep. we want to be able to give you the wedge for your particular technique, the courses that you play, your, your level of abilities to hit certain shots. We want to give you a shot to hit every shot that you could have possibly greenside. Like I said, many times, got 60% of your score comes within hundred yards right. of the green of the Avocoff. And it's, it's, so that's what we really work on. So you can have everything in shot. You can have a, a, a sand wedge to hit a certain amount of shots and a lob wedge to hit a certain amount of shots. We want to have the bounce right. I've always favored a little bit higher bounce in your sand wedge, and a little bit lower bounce in your lob wedge. So give you the ability to hit, hit certain shots. Hard pan, greenside, out comes your lob wedge. Different types in the rough, in the sand, sand wedge. You can use a sand wedge. It's knowing this shot, just checking the lie, the way the ball is sitting in the turf, side hill, downhill. You know different types of turf. Is the turf looking at you? Is it looking away from you? All those things come in to help you make the decide. What I call it, what tool you're going to use to do the job.
0: Right. In other words, right. help
1: you choose the right bounce and grind. And that's what we do. So important, Larry, and I get I could say everything. But I'm, I'm ranting on. You got me on. No, the no, way. you're not. This is but, great,
0: Bob. This is but great.
1: The most important thing, Larry, that I would say to anybody, I get asked all the time, you know, I tell them, go and get fit. Yeah. There's only 70% of the players out there have been fit for wedges. That's phenomenal. It's over I 50 know. for drivers and irons. Right. And putters. Right. Right. And I'm saying, wait a second. The wedges, the wedges, the, the wedges hit. God, it'll get you out of jail and get you of up and downs and ins and birdies and get well you're having such a so. large
0: percentage of your shots within 100 yards of the of the hole no, so you, no
1: doubt about it no yeah. doubt
0: yep yeah no I, I i agree um so um you're famous for saying uh let the bounce be your friend Um yes. tell people what that means when you say that what does that
1: actually mean? means It the right amount of bounce okay yeah. people think it's out of time i mean a lot of bounce no no the right amount of bounce of course coupled with the grind for your particular swing type and the course conditions that you play and your technique that's a, basically what i mean by bounce in other words the bounce use the bounce it's on the club it's there it's bounce i'll tell people they have a tendency you'll see them line up their shaft lean is way yes past yes 10 percent you know the leading edge is digging in and i said Use the trailing edge. Use the right. bounce. That's what it is. Use the trailing edge when you sit it down. And you say, like, oh, okay. All of a sudden <laughs> the hands are in a different position, or feet are their alignment is a little different. All of a sudden they hit the ball and they go, Oh my God. <laughs> That's using the bounce.
0: It totally is. Bounce, and I'm bounce, sure you're, you're bounce could help you. Yeah, and I'm sure you're familiar, you probably know him well. James Siekman. you know, book on the oh, short no game. You know, he it. talks about yep. exactly what you're talking about, that, you know, the, the whole setup where, you know, a normal mid-iron shot, you know, you're putting your hands ahead and stuff, but the, to use the bounces, and he talks about Ballesteros, you know, and watching him when Ballesteros was on yep. tour and how Seve was such a master, right? I mean, he was a magician with no the club, right? No doubt
1: about it. No, No doubt about it. <laughs> The, the, there be, wasn't a shot that he couldn't hit,
0: including like hitting a three iron out of a greenside bunker to oh, sort of show that, that he could do yeah. it. Right, and I mean he was a magician.
1: He was. Yeah, I, <laughs> I remember him working with Graham Marsh in the bunker. But it would have been 1991. I can remember exactly. And he's in the bunker with Graham Marsh. Yeah. At the uh, Dunlop Phoenix. In, okay. At a practice round, and him, and i was just standing on the side watching it. And actually by that particular time, it was a five iron and it was just, it was unbelievable what he was doing with it. You know, just the creativity that he had, that's where I've always looked regarded him high in my list. Probably the number one of all wedge players I've ever worked with.
0: Yeah. I, 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 I think that's probably fair. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I was going to ask you what advice you would give to amateurs about, you know, how to, go About selecting wedges, but it sounds like maybe the most important thing is just to get fit, right?
1: No doubt about it. That's up first and foremost. I can give you a whole bunch of scenarios, Larry. You know, I've always said rule of thumb four to six degrees between your wedges. That's so how I'm you would gap them four to six.
0: Okay, that's gap good to know. It.
1: Four to six degrees a good number, you know, six being max, four being, being the minimum. And I would turn around and, and that equates. To 10 to 15 yards that's the first thing i I would give them but then to choose the right club for your particular swing type, you got to get fit it's so important right so important
0: and and you make a good point wanna, too about having different bounce and different clubs to give you the variety of tools
1: right that's exactly what you need you know a lot of people get and we have letters on the clubs you know to help you but as I said, when we get fit, I always like to say, fit by the grind. Don't worry about too much about what that number says, you know? Right. Is it a higher bounce, lower bounce? It's, those are just guides to go by. And, you know, you turn around and when you're going to get fit, make sure there's an area that you're least skilled at. When you yeah. get fit, hopefully you're going to get the the club or the wedge to help you with that particular type of shot that you may. You say at say it, say your home club, there's a certain shot you hit in a certain area. You always go, Darn it, if I had blank a blank this type of wedge, I'd be able to get out of it. Take, don't keep that in mind when you get fit, you're right? And you've got people who are pickers, right?
0: Win. People who are diggers, no people who are that. pickers, and that pickers, affects things too, right?
1: Sliders, picker sliders, I call upright diggers. You know, it's, I get asked all the time, well, What if I go and play in? the Northwest, you know, right. you go to banded, right. Everyone's right. going
0: up to Bandon, right with of, the firm turf,
1: right. And it even, yeah. Or you like turn around and go and play down in the desert or go down to go down to Phoenix, go to Scottsdale. And I always tell them what's so important to me, mm-hmm. you get low bounce, high bounce. What I really important is your swing type. Are you a digger or a slider? Digger takes it up, down more of an upright swing, angle attacks, steep, steeper into the ball he can use more bounce. If you are a little shallower, you can, because nature of your your picker slider, you can get away with a little less bounce. But you still do need to bounce. There's no doubt about it. And remember that swing type, courses may change, but your swings doesn't change. You try to alter it, but your swing type goes with you from course to course to course. So very important to be fit by your swing type. And a good experienced fitter will be taking that into consideration.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you'll find this funny. I mean, the last time I got fit by Lucas for your, the, the SM nine, you know, he would say to me, you know, you, you guys have that huge bag of wedges, you know, out of TPI and he brings it out and he, and, and he says, I don't want you to look at the bottom of the club. I want you to just, I'm going to hand you the club. Cause you're going to swing differently. <laughs> if you see what grinded it says, I'm not going to show it to you. I, he says, and which was great advice, right? Cause you get something in your head that's, and you start altering your motion, right?
1: <laughs> that's it. That's exactly it, Larry. That's, that's, that's the, basically call of my mantra of often said, don't show the player the bottom. Don't look at the bottom. I, I've done that. I remember doing it to Adam Scott one time, you know, really the, someone uh, like that, even some, yeah, two, two, 2012. We're in a bunker at the Olympic, up there at the Open Olympic in 2012, yeah, yeah. and he was having a little yeah. struggling with with his sandwich. He had the old 8 So I gave him new K grind. I had prototypes.
0: Oh, gave him one like yeah. this.
1: And I said, give him. I give him to grip first. I hand him the grip. Don't now. Don't look at the bottom. I said, no, don't look at the bottom. He hits a couple of shots in a bunker. Whoa! Then he turns around, goes in the Greenside, Greenside Rough, hit some shots and get to the fairway, hit some shots. And he could, now can I look at it? <laughs> and I had that expression. I don't want to say what he said on, <laughs> you know, on a podcast, but it was something he laughing as he said, you know, he couldn't believe it. But yeah. that's what happens. People get a preconceived notion, and it was the K grind. Right. He's still right. he's still, still in his bag till today. In fact, that particular one was a six degrees of bounce a couple of weeks before. We end up calling the Masters, yeah, two thousand thirteen. Yeah, calling, Arundel, you know, yeah. the, the main man out in now. and he he asked for more bounce, so we gave him a ten degree, and he put the ten degree in play, and that's at Augusta. Wow, very, very tight lies. Yeah, so it's it's type of wedge in the certain people's hands, and there's certain technique they will make it work and make it work well.
0: Well, and I think if I'm remembering that was the year he won, right? So it worked out pretty well in yes, 2013 that was it. for the yep, masters. That
1: was
0: it. <laughs> yep. So so let me let me sort of get you out of here on this. I mean, all the innovation over the years. I mean, do you sort of is there any particular area that you think you know you see further innovation happening? Or um kind of where do you think the wedges go from here?
1: Well, as it is now, you know, we went to uh, we went to working with the center of gravity, you know. Moving right, that's and right. On, in and out, right, all this, and we've we've started that in SM six. And each each series we improve from series to series to series. And it takes a little while. People ask, well, "Why does it take two years to 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 develop a series?" Well, it takes. We we can develop all types of testing you possibly could do. You know, in a TPI bring it out and tour, but it doesn't happen. You don't get the proper feedback till something happens. I call it on the backside Sunday afternoon under the heat of the gun. You yeah. cannot replicate that particular feel a player gets. So we, somebody sometimes a player will get a feedback, onesie twosie sort of thing. I find it the ball does this at a certain, oh, okay. And if we hear it again, then we say, okay guys, you know, we get the team together we got this guy, Aaron, Aaron Dillzelta, all the time. He brings all the feedback into us, and we look at it, and we say, okay, now let's try to improve there. But definitely we do want to hurt what we already have. right? Because sometimes if you chase too much, you don't want to hurt what you have. What right. we have is doggone good. It works it for 99-100% sure of the players. Just one instant. But then we chase it, we move it around, CG, and each iteration we do that. We've done that in the SM6. Sevens, eights, nines, and we were going to further it into the tens. But we have some things, Larry. I'm not at liberty to say. No, I appreciate that on the yeah. on, the, on, yeah. on, the, on the drawing boards. But trust me, it's going to be going to be pretty pretty cool. Even me, I'm they you know, bring it to me. I shake my head because I'm I'm a, a doubting Thomas. You know, I'm the devil's advocate, and I'm old school. You know, I'm as I said, from the guy who balanced a wedge on his fingertips to now it's done all by computers. So I still think about that and uh, I have to prove it to me and it's got to, and it's got to have all the aspects of a wedge and it's got to be improved. And from what I've seen so far, all the testing we've been doing, we are on the right track.
0: I have and no doubt about good. that. And, so and, and Solari, Bob, you, I you, to say, stay tuned I, I, and we will. And, and you're in, th- you're still enthusiastic about it, right? Even it. after all these years,
1: isn't it wild then? Hey, like yeah. this, this, you got me going. This is the best I've been in a couple of months. <laughs> Corey's sitting beside me, shaking his head. I said, now, Corey, this is the Vogue. Now I tell him, he has not seen, we've only been together for a few months. He has not seen the real Vogue in action. And this is the Vogue. When I get going, I get going. Because I, I love re- what I do. And, and, and I I'm know, going. I remember
0: hearing you just on that score saying, when you know that, you know, when you're take, you get in your car and you come and you're you're <laughs> excited to see the green lights, right? And not the red lights for the to get there, right? <laughs> to that's get exactly to
1: work. Like that. That, that's my scenario. When it, when I hit my first red light traffic light and I want it to turn red, then I know I'm gonna make a U-turn and go home. That's what I've had <laughs> enough. I can't wait to get to work now. I I drive, I drive, I drive Corey crazy. But he loves me though.
0: I, well, everyone does, it, Bob. Yeah. They, they all do. And, and this has been fantastic. I can't tell you what an honor it is to be able to talk to you. Um, and you're a legend, as you know. Um, and it's so, we're all privileged that you are still, um, have your enthusiasm and, and, and are still part of it. Uh, because there's no one like you.
1: Larry, I like to say thank you very, very much. Been a pleasure talking to you, and I really love your shirt. And it's <laughs> unbelievable. And thank you for being being a loyal loyalist to Titus. Really, My really, pleasure. Uh, I really appreciate it, Larry.
0: My pleasure, it's sir. Awesome. Take be well. Okay. Take care. We'll okay. talk soon. Thank take you. care. Bye bye.
1: Yeah.